Uh, is there any bookie in the in the world really uh, taking bets uh, U.S. versus China in the coming uh, war? Because I, I definitely want to take China. Don't care what the money line is. Did you see those videos of like uh, uh, the North, North Korean soldiers like yeah, breaking their heads with their hands and like shit? lying yeah. on glass and like breaking baseball bats on their shins and yeah. stuff? I was yeah. like, metal as fuck. <laughs> I think they could handle a ninja if he just popped up. Matt, do you remember the movie Best of the Best? Yeah, yeah. Did that have uh, Sasha Mitchell or whatever his name was? As you know, it was Eric Roberts and Chris Penn. And it's about the like the American karate team, yeah, like competing in, uh, like you know, like uh, it's they 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 have they have to compete against the the Korean karate team. Uh huh. Oh and, yeah, I like you that. know, they're they're like and James Earl Jones is their coach, mm-hmm. and they're like you know they're like a a broad cross section of like you know American dude types. Like Chris Penn is the racist guy, uh, Eric Roberts is the Eric Roberts type guy, and there's sort of there's a hippie guy, an Italian guy, and then a Korean American guy. And they have to they have to come together and like through teamwork become the best of the best. And there's a scene in the movie where James Earl Jones is showing them uh video footage of like their opponents, the Korean team training. And it's like them in the woods, in the snow, shirtless, chopping down trees with like uh, ridge palm uh, <laughs> karate chops <laughs> and like uh, breaking blocks of ice with their fists and just like hitting each other with two by fours and just being like, ah, loving it. And then like Chris Penn and Eric Roberts are like, yeah, we'll, we'll take a few laps, do a couple push ups. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's when I felt like watching the, the footage of uh, North Korean soldiers like, you know, yeah, like... <laughs> lie on glass while people jump on them and shit. We'll be fine as long as the war is a canon production. (laughs) (laughs) Dateline, Thursday, October 14th, 2021. This is Chapo Trap House. It's me, co-host Will Meneker, joined as always by co-host Felix Madman Biederman and uh, Matt, Matt, the white Dr. Umer Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that was, man, that's awesome. I'm flattered. <laughs> that is pretty cool. That's one of the coolest titles I've ever seen bestowed on someone. Yeah, I'm getting t-shirts made. That's you think I should start doing like, like uh, giving the date at the beginning, or like, like you know, like uh, Thursday, October fourteenth. You know, just sort of a, uh, you know, make a little time capsule here. You know, make it more of an official, you know, news oriented podcast. I don't know, mm. just just a thought of it. I'm experimenting with different ways of uh, introducing the show. I so. think you should give the wrong date. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's August. I think uh, something we could do is make every listener schizophrenic. August 1066 AD. I'm w- joined now by William the Conqueror. That, yeah. Well, you know, um, I know we've all been, well, been busy up to various things. You know, people say like, oh, uh, you know, like, oh, you're just doing the podcast or whatever. Well, like, no, I'll have you know that Felix has been hard at work translating Sally Rooney's new book into Hebrew, you know, <laughs> just doing it ad hoc, get it out there. Just make sure people have access to it. And, you know, the thing is, by the time I'm done, all the Russians in Israel will speak Hebrew. They're working on it while I'm working on it. <laughs> You're both learning to read and speak yeah. it at the same time. That's what dual power is. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's see. Okay. 
Kicking off today's show, let's talk about no, no, notorious. That's right, notorious RBG. She's dead. She's gone. <laughs> the good news about that was that we you don't have to talk about her anymore. How the fuck are we still talking about this old bag? Well, because her sp- her spirit lives on, Matt. Oh, Jesus Christ. Her spirit lives on. Yes, in, in the for- in the form of uh, of demonic. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Amy Coby Bryant, who has her seat for the next hundred years. No, it, it lives on in the in, in the hearts, minds, and souls of girls everywhere who dream of one day scolding uppity black men and athletes for disrespecting the United States of America with their selfish decision to kneel during our national anthem. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this story, but uh, this is a Daily Mail exclusive. Katie Couric covered up RBG's dislike. For no, she didn't. I remember this happening. It does. What has happened? Is everyone doing a fucking paint thinner all day? I remember her saying that they should shut up and be thankful. Uh, they, and they, they included that she said she is not a fan of it, but Katie Couric excised her more um, uh, detailed and in-depth uh, comments on this. Her uh, speaking here says, um, Anchor says she edited 2016 interview to, quote, protect the justice after she said people who kneel are showing contempt for a government that made a decent life possible. Protect her from what? She's a Supreme Court justice. There's nothing you can do to those people. That's the whole point. I think she means they are immune to everything. They cannot be canceled. Well, no, I think she's talking more about protecting her, her legacy and protecting her uh, reputation as like, I don't know, an avatar of everything that represents something hopeful and progressive about America. Well, that was, that was dumb. They shouldn't have done that in the first place. <laughs> uh, it says here, Katie Couric has admitted to editing out Ruth Bader Ginsburg's controversial comments from her 2016 sit down with the late Supreme court justice. Couric writes that she was faced with a conundrum while working on the story for Yahoo news in her scathing new memoir going there released October 26. The former today show host reveals Ginsburg responded negatively when asked about people who kneel for the national anthem as a protest against racism. The published story did include quotes from the justice calling the gesture dumb and disrespectful, but omitted more controversial remarks. Ginsburg also said that such protests showed contempt for the government that made it possible for their parents and grandparents to live a decent life, which they probably could not have lived in the places they came from. As they became older, they realized that this was useful folly, she added. Current claims that Ginsburg, Ginsburg, who was 83 at the time, was elderly and probably didn't fully understand the question. She admits she wanted to protect Ginsburg and felt that the issue of racial justice was a blind spot for her. How the fuck are you bragging about that? That's the thing that blows me away about this. Of course, they, the people like this do this shit. But just that, like, the the cone is so sealed around these people that it, the assumption that, yeah, that's fine. Of course, and fa- pat me on the back for protecting RBG so that, what, somebody could sell more fucking Funko Pops with her head on them? <laughs> yeah, pretty I, much. I didn't interpret it that way. I interpreted it as, like, this is her holding herself accountable because like and and RBG by extension because it's like uh, after she's dead <laughs> right exactly exactly yeah because it's like okay well she's gone we replaced her with like a thirty nine year old woman uh, everything's done but you know last year we were all we we're all talking about how we're not going to be racist anymore well I did something I'm my bad my bad I fucked up and she fucked up too but that's part of learning and growing and now you know. I thought that's how I saw it. 
here was actually the, the funniest detail in this story. It says here, Kirk writes that she was conflicted because she was a big RBG fan, referring to Ginsburg's moniker. Kirk called a friend, David Brooks, a New York Times journalist, who advised that her that Ginsburg probably didn't understand the question, even though she was still serving on the Supreme Court at the time. <laughs> so I love that the excuse here is just like, oh, yeah, she's, she's, she's senile. She didn't understand what you're talking about as she adjudicates cases of national importance. She's just she's an old lady. Got to cut her some slack. Did I mean, I wish she went into more detail because it's like, does he think he she doesn't know about that because it's like uh, Internet issue kind of or she doesn't know about it because she's old. Because she's dying, because her brain's dead, because she's like, like Joe Biden, remembering things that were happening 70 years ago. Like Joe Paterno, she doesn't know what uh, sodomy is. Right. <laughs> because like, I, I never thought that RBG like, didn't know what was going on. It's, it seems like um, it's more common for men to like, go senile in a funny way because men care about their families way more. And they want their families to have big laughs and big fun in the last five years of their life. They want to do hilarious gags. You know, like maybe maybe they try taking a potted plant and putting it in the coffee maker and drinking whatever it makes. You know, it's like fun because it's like it's sad. This person you loved is slipping from this coil and their brain is going. But they're they're going to have similar to pants, dude. They're going to have some fun at their own expense for you. Grandpas are devoted to gags and stunts. Exactly. Women, on the other hand, they're pretty, they're with it. I mean, it's, they, they usually, you got to get them to like a hundred. I got well, to, I mean, by that point, they've already fucking sacrificed so much for their stupid families that they're not going to go through the effort of having a funny senility. Well, let I mean, them you, just, just fall apart. Yeah, but okay. Well, the women think their families want time and nurturing and just being there emotionally in every way, always supporting the kids, always supporting the family. What if everyone just wants laughs? Because, (laughs) I mean, mean, okay, the the divorce rate is like, um, I'm not going to look it up. I'm assuming it's about 67% uh, about that. It's usually because the man is prohibited from doing gags. It's just... (laughs) It's always a bad sign in a relationship when the laughter dies. Exactly. Um, but let me feel like, I mean, I, I see what you're saying about how um, pep peps have more of a penchant for funny pranks and gags than Mima's. However, yeah. I would say RBG, perhaps an exception to that rule, because who can forget one of the funniest gags of all time when she officiated that couple's wedding in the middle of COVID and then died a week <laughs> later? That was good. I think there was sort of a like Hallmark movie moment where her shitty daughter or something was like, you know, our grandma RBG, that's what they call her, even in her family. We love you and you're great. You inspired every woman to buy a blouse for business. <laughs> you made you made women get an internship at the museum. You're you you are that bitch. That's not an insult anymore. You don't know that because you're a hundred. But you you've done so much. What we really want is a gag. We want you to have fun and we want to have fun. And she was like, Okay, and then she died. Which was she died by officiating this <laughs> fucking DNC insider wedding, which I is mean, hilarious. If you're gonna save uh, it for like to go out on on top with like a big closer, she really did it. The timing, timing was flawless. And 
like all great jokes, it led to several other hysterical bust em ups. The Trump on the tarmac <laughs> after she died. With tiny dancer <laughs> blaring. <laughs> that is a gag and a goof em up that is gonna be like I'm gonna be thinking out as like the, the fucking DMT hits my brain and I just like as I leave this mortal coil, I'm just gonna be thinking she led a great life. <laughs> this is the first time <laughs> hearing about it. She just died? Wow. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman. Whether you agreed or not, she was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. Uh, and no, it's the tiny dancer playing in the background, but I'm just imagining a. Uh, uh, RBG, she's sitting there, you know, it's just like, you know, I, not a mask in sight, by the way. I can't believe how <laughs> responsible some people. Just, just, vibe, just vibing. And she goes, I now pronounce you man and wife. Also, would you like this stick of gum? <laughs> <laughs> or then like shake hands, bzz, you know, like just, just, fun, just fun stuff like that. You got to, as I've always said, like, you know, in the art in my house, you got you to gotta live, laugh, love. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Who knows? You know, I don't really know. Actually, I do. I know what RBG's main effect was because the, all the things that people quote from her are uh, losing decisions where she's yes. on the losing side of the court because she was, I mean, the perfect cultural figure. She was epic at losing. She really delivered a fiery response in a decision that was lost, uh, you know, 6-3 or something. But... Fuck, I lost my train of thought. Well, doing, I mean, doing the math about the Supreme Court. <laughs> I don't know, how, wait a minute, how many people are on there again? 15? I was, I almost, I almost was like 6'4", and I was like, wait a minute, that, there'd be so many ties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I found a solution. I mean, I think like, overall what's going on here with the current thing is like apparently like, you know, her this new scathing memoir where she goes in and, you know, it's just like, uh, apparently comes off as quite a psycho. I'm assuming there's a, a lot of dishing about Matt Lauer in there as well. But I mean, I think what, I mean, whether she's admitting to it, uh, I don't know, is like in, in some sense to salvage her own reputation. But I think what's going on here is that she's admitting that like, you know, she had this, you know, like some fire in a, an exclusive interview with like one of the most important national figures that she, self-consciously uh, omitted and shaded the more, um, what would it be like the more controversial parts of her statement about like, oh, like these people are, un you know, speaking of uh, black people, uh, you know, uh, kneeling to protest the national anthem and like in, in, as it regards to like police killings and injustice like that, saying of them, um, they're protesting a government that makes their a decent life possible for them. I think, but like, I think what's going on is I think she like self-consciously shaded or like you know basically censored what would have been like you know fire if you're a journalist you're like yeah keep talking give me that let me get some headlines here i think she self-consciously shaded it because she didn't want to damage the like you know sort of cultural industry that had grown up at, by that point around you know the notorious rbg as this figure that like was you know uh as opposed to trump was like represented everything good and and progressive and kind of like feminist about the country i do hope that there's some part of the book where she stops to bemoan the fact that people just don't trust the media anymore and blames it on <laughs> russia or something <laughs> I hope she just is like, goddamn Facebook, making people not trust the media. Anyway, here's another time where I just fucking went in the tank and deleted things that a fucking pub uh, public official said to make them look better because I agreed with them politically. 
Well, I mean, and also David Brooks is just being like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. She didn't understand what you were talking about. She's 83 years old, but also is sitting on the Supreme Court. <laughs> I mean, no, like, you, you can be senile and complete your job of losing. Yeah. It's, but she, that's the point is she wasn't senile. Like I, well, she, I never, no one ever like scanned her as senile. He's just like, damn, this woman's old. I mean, at that point, like the issue was never about senility. You're just, it's the Supreme Court. There's two buttons. All you got to do is remember which one to press, depending on which party you're a member of. I mean, that's it. They'll tell you it isn't, yeah. but that's it. Uh, the thing was, because she was 900 and made of cancer, the problem she might have died, and then, then, and then she did. Then she did because she knows how to go out with a big closer, and we got to give her respect for that. Going out on top, top of the world, ma, top of the yeah. world, Ruth. It was just, I mean, I do, I do kind of get some of the fanfare, you know, because she's a, if you care about that shit, a formative figure in like uh, women becoming lawyers or something. I don't, I don't really know, but uh, it's like nothing about her corresponded with the image that she was like a cool black rapper, that she was doing disses on the other judges. Because she like, she like loved Scalia. When Kavanaugh got in there, she was like, "I think he's a great justice, and he's my friend." <laughs> it's like there, it's like no, this is that's what the Supreme Court is. It was just it was the most. I mean, this happens all the time in politics where you put your image of what someone what you want someone to be onto the politician, like how Trump is made into this masculine alpha male. But at least he's. People on his side, people working for him, are at least trying to brand that a little bit. But with RBG, there was just zero correspondence between what was being sold and what was what the person was actually doing. Well, I'm, up until her death, the people who were really most into the RBG legend, though people like Katie Couric, I don't think they really gave a shit about any of the substance of any of her opinions or takes. I guess that's what they call them, right? Uh, in the Supreme Court, uh, five four. Uh, with a presiding take delivered by Justice Kavanaugh, that kind of thing. Uh, it's that she is was a woman in power. That was yeah. it. Like, and then they they that ratified their ambition, and that that's what matters. It doesn't really matter what she has to say about anything. Yeah. So uh, that's Katie Couric and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But uh, let's see. Moving on. Moving on to the uh, the second story I want to talk about today. Let's revisit the goings on as it relates to America's top dogs. And by that, I mean the operators. What, uh, what's going on in the world of special ops and the men, the hardened men of valor who make up America's special forces? Uh, this is uh, on NPR here. It says, headline, a ninja with a sword assailed the U.S. Army Special Operations Unit in California. Well, I'm assuming that uh, one guy with a sword against trained American special forces troops. I'm guessing that this was was a very short conflict. They made quick work of him uh, and then went back to the base to pound bruise. Yeah, no, I mean, how quick did our boys deal with him? Yeah, I'm going to say the over under here has got to be like 30 seconds. Yeah, (laughs) at most. What I like about this news article is that finally, maybe for the first time ever, we get a real world instance that actually does test out the uh, the theories and scenarios promulgated by my favorite History Channel show. Um, what is it? Ancient Warriors? Warrior versus uh, Warrior? That's uh, 
Oh, uh, Deadliest Warrior. Deadliest Warrior, right? Where they were like, mm-hmm. who would win? Um, you know, a pirate or um, uh, or a gangster. A, a, an IRA yeah, like a or the Taliban. <laughs> IRA versus Taliban is the best episode I've ever seen. <laughs> so this is yeah. That was, man, that's a good that's a good memory. Who uh, saw like taking taking my our friends Adderall and drinking Bud Heavies <laughs> and watching that show and arguing. <laughs> yeah, yeah just the, 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 the fake uh data that they would have where it's like we compiled all of these data points. Coolness of weapons. Well, Clearly, there's a huge uh, advantage here on one side. And then they would just go to town on the ballistics dummies. Oh, man, that was so funny. <laughs> that was, no, that was not fake. That's, that was how fucking, that you don't know fucking anything about computers. That's how Palantir started. <laughs> well, like, Peter Thiel got the contract for that. I, I, I think of Deadliest Warrior as like the greatest gift that Nate Silver ever gave us. Because that whole <laughs> thing seems like an outgrowth of the the quantitative revolution where we're going to use data to figure shit out and entertain the rubes that. Yeah. You know how the clock's been turning back lately? Oh yeah. yeah we're like, back to Obama era. Yeah. Vox, we're, we're on our way to the, to Bush two. It's, it's yeah. we're in that direction. Absolutely. Vox closed a vertical they had called identities. God, that's, that's so funny. Huge. I did not. I saw these that's and huge. I'm like, they had a fucking vertical called identities. Yeah. <laughs> they ran out yeah. of them. <laughs> They, they, they did, we yeah. thought there were more than there it turns out to be. We're very sorry. <laughs> they were like, they're um, like we, they launched this one. They're like, this is going to run and run. This bit has legs, boys. Yeah. We, we were in the lab trying to create some new identities, but it, th- we created uh, ungodly creatures uh, unfit for human sight. We have to close the whole thing. It was uh, just a bunch of Ripley clones <laughs> going, kill my identity. Kill um, it. MGK and Megan Fox. That's not that's not a celebrity relationship in the past five years. No, it's no, that no, old no. shit. That's the most importantly. Shit. That's uh, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, Billy Bob and uh, and Angela. Absolutely, Jolie. Exactly. absolutely, yeah. absolutely, that's exactly. Most important thing. This is the most important thing, probably in the world. The most important thing in the entire world. This is the barometer, the the doomsday clock for how much in 2013 or so we are. The size of women's hats. <laughs> is massive we're getting big again yeah every yeah. woman is wearing a hat that an overseer would wear right <laughs> not every woman like it hasn't really hit new york yet but it will but in the cool part of columbus ohio those hats are big as fuck again desert boots for women have gone up seventeen thousand percent. that's but- why supply chains are fucked up too many women ordered desert boots and big hats and they sent a new special fast boat and it it just like it it caused a tidal wave in its wake and it tipped over all the boats that have uh ps5s and milk in them uh there, there are currently uh 15 Maersk container ships idling off the coast of california all of them loaded to bear with sombreros for America's yes. women, which, you know, guess what? You're not getting, they're not going to have, Christmas is canceled. Christmas well, is that, ruined because uh, the 10 gallon hats, sombreros, and sort of a uh, pith helmets uh, that women have ordered for the holiday season are not going to arrive on time. Yeah. If you, if you're the women in your life, don't get their spiritual gangster hoodie in time. There's going to be several mass shootings done by women. All right, so like, yeah, back to back to Deadliest Warrior. We've got, yeah, I, I honestly, which I'm is na- coming back, now. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it literally has in real life yeah. here. This is, uh, this is, this is, this is a bout for the ages. Who would win in a fight, Delta Force Special Operations soldiers or 
Someone trained in the ancient art of ninjutsu. <laughs> Let's go to the tape. Let's go to the tape. Let's break down the okay. tail of the tape. Uh, reading from the article, it says, begins, it seems unlikely, but it did happen. A man wearing full ninja garb attacked members of a U.S. Army Special Operations Unit in the middle of the night in the California desert, setting off a scramble for safety and resulting in at least two injuries, according to police and other records. The incident occurred a little after 1 a.m. I mean, okay, if you know anything about ninjutsu, that's what we call the ninja, the ninja-ing hour. Yes. <laughs> the, the karate hour is like, the karate hour is like 2 p.m. Yeah, no, karate, karate, karate in the hour, afternoon. No, yeah, karate yeah, hour is no, in the, the afternoon. Karate hour is uh, four to six after your parents pick you up from school, but before cello practice. Yeah, and you need friends for karate hour. Yeah. Like you, you need an entire class where the homies really. Ninja hour, it's after midnight, and you're alone. And no, you're no, it's like, let's just say it's 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 feudal era Japan. You are the natural born son of the of the shogunate. But um, he doesn't have an, a, a male heir, so um, you you are essentially in line to take over the shogunate. But you are essentially a dishonorable character. You're 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 walking around your castle. You know it's the the hour. It's, it's late at night. One o'clock happens. You're like, oh fuck. You you hear you hear a little gust of wind, and then it's already too late. The ninja are upon you. Yeah, it's it's done. You like you think you're fine, and you try to turn around to figure out what that noise was, and your head falls off. Yep. So, uh, and then, yeah, U.S. Special Army Operations, they're about to learn about the ninja-ing hour. Uh, it says, uh, when it uh, occurred after 1 a.m. on September 18th, when authorities in Ridgecrest, California, got word of, got word of a sword-wielding man dressed as a ninja on the loose at the Inyokern Airport in Ken County, north of Los An- Kern County, north of Los Angeles. Kern County Sheriff's deputies found the suspect had assaulted a victim in his, at the scene with a sword and thrown a rock through a hangar window, hitting an additional victim in the head. <laughs> <laughs> throwing a rock i mean and usually i mean classically it'd be the shuriken the shuriken yes. the throwing stars yes obviously well, but, he's cl- you know. probably like saving those for later because <laughs> the problem with those is you throw them you gotta like run over and get them again it's a little awkward uh, it says the attack came without any warning i mean it's a ninja that's the whole point i mean yeah it's it's attacks without warning are their specialty uh, so it says the victims are members of the 160th Special Operations Aviation uh, Regiment, or SOAR, according to Stars and Stripes newspaper, which states that the military personnel were at the airport as part of training exercises. The incident report quickly drew attention after it was posted on Instagram. It describes how a staff sergeant was smoking a late night cigarette near an airport hangar when an unknown person wearing full ninja garb approached him with a question. Do you know who I am? The man asked. The sergeant said he did not. Do you know where my family is? The man asked. When the sergeant said he did not know, the person in Ninja Guard began to slash at him with a katana sword. The report states, adding that the sergeant's leg and phone were struck. <laughs> he was literally on his phone. I guarantee you. It was in his hand. He was doing epic troop TikToks. Yeah, no, he was he was doing the Delta Force shovel. Uh, Ray, when someone asks you where their family is, you tell them. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so it says, um, the the sergeant ran, jumped the fence, and reached the building where he joined others from his company. As he and a captain locked the door and called 911. Wait a minute, excuse me? (laughs) They called the cops. They called... 
they look how they've bl- somebody, <laughs> some guy is like set 350 pounds stuffed into a fucking uniform. <laughs> okay. I, I, I got, sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry for the false advertising on this episode of Deadliest Warrior. We pitched it as Ninja versus Special Operations Commando. In fact, the episode is about Ninja versus local Kern County Sheriff's Department. <laughs> God damn it. What are we Why? paying these assholes for? <laughs> they're, Jesus they're the sore special operations group doing training exercise and they're like, fuck, lock the door, call 911. Call 911. Literally, you know, I could have done that. Do you know, like, the job of, of Army Special Forces, their main thing that they're supposed to do is they call it force multiplier. That's the DOD term for it, that they go into countries and they train irregular militias. Mm-hmm. Is this what they're telling them how yeah. to do? <laughs> <laughs> how to run away? Yeah. That was remember. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, remember most when importantly, the, the, the Iraqi army fled Mosul. Yeah. It was like, oh, I wonder who told them how to do that. <laughs> they're like, most importantly. If you were observing standard army protocol, standard SOAR protocol when you were on opera, when you were on maneuvers, you will already have your phone in your hand recording TikToks. <laughs> so you just switch over to the phone feature and call for help. Uh, and I understand for some of you, talking to someone on the phone triggers anxiety, so you can text. <laughs> well, that's how they make the selection from Airborne. <laughs> that's yeah, that, that's what special forces like, school is. Can you call the pizza place? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and have hell we like, no no apps on your phone. You have to get all your food through. And phone then the, calls. And like, they'll they'll stress test you because like they'll they'll invent a scenario where you call to order pizza and then they deliver like they deliver it to the wrong address. They deliver the wrong pizza. They're like, no, it's not over. You got to call them back. You got to complain. You got to get the charges. Yeah, you have to stand up for yourself, sergeant. <laughs> Uh, so it says here, um, the assailant kicked and punched doors and windows, according to the report, which has redacted the service members' names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to blow the cover of someone on that there. secret mission. Uh, the Ridgecrest Police Department blotter entry from that night says, and a report came in at 1.19 a.m. of a suspect in a ninja outfit complete with a sword at the Inyokern Airport. The report cites at least one victim more than 20 minutes after the initial contact. The blotter, uh, the blotter says a 911 call came from someone at the airport saying 26, 26 special operations military members were hunkered down in a hand, hangar wondering where help is. <laughs> you are the help, dude. What the fuck? 26 of these guys. And it's one ninja banging on the door going, where's my family? Where's my family? Where is the shogunate's uh, illegitimate natural born son from his courtesan who is the heir to the Meiji dynasty? So they, okay, they ran in terror and barricaded the door against one option that this guy is just schizophrenic. That's possible. Or a time traveler. Those are the only two options. A time traveler who speaks English. I mean, okay, I, okay, well, okay. I, I think we know in Yokern Air Force Base what's going on on there. In one of those hangars, that's where they hide, that's where they house the loop jumping cube. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. And, and he like, yes. out, like, with his yeah, sword. So something, something came back from a different loop. One thing is for certain. The deadliest ninja of all. This uh, incident has definitively uh, resolved the d- debate over whether or not we should have dropped the nuclear bombs on Japan. 
app had to. That was the only thing. <laughs> that was good. What, what, we get to the home islands where the where the ninjas are, and it's over. <laughs> uh, Douglas MacArthur, he's just like puff, puffing on his corncob pipe. He sort of uh, feels what 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 initially is just feels like a like a sort of a, a cold a cold wind across his throat. He just puffs, and then like the the corncob pipe just like splits in two, and then following that, his neck. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> uh, twenty-six of them. I love it. Hunkered, hunkered down in a hangar, on, wondering no, where help We don't know how is. many of them were being debilitated by Havana syndrome. <laughs> uh, I love uh, the next subhead is the ninja did not obey deputy's orders. <laughs> well, a lot of ideas yeah, now. You, you, who who think you would? Okay, I figure I found out who the what spec ops this was i thought this was army spec ops i was incorrect this is uh this is they're under army special forces command but this isn't like fifth special forces it's the 160th special operations aviation regiment ah Uh, these are like their uh special operations helicopter pilots these are but, just like the, the flight attendants of the special forces. Well, but they sit, but they have like they have to get like airborne certified and all this shit. Like they should be. This is still something they should be able to handle. You'd think. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who's taking the biggest L from this whole story. The Taliban. They're like, fuck. It took us twenty years to kick these assholes out of yeah. our country. <laughs> all they had to do is just run at them. That's all it takes, and they just fold. Um, let's see here. This is uh, like it's yeah. This is Uzi running up on Rich the Kid at the Starbucks. But there, if there were like fifty of Rich the Kids, uh, it says here police official police officers located the ninja suspect on a nearby road, but the man refused to follow commands and brandished the sword at deputies. This well, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> Projectile rounds were used, but were ineffective. It added. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh, he was he was fucking he was snapping it out of the air. He was. He was doing the blade deflect. Yeah, yep. he was cutting them in half. The this bullets are all just yeah. bisected, littering uh, the ground around him. This guy's awesome. He's Instead, pretty cool. The man Does ran. he need a job? Should fire all these yeah. assholes and just have him do it. What kind of a budget would you need just to have this guy? You'd need to just pay him. I don't know how what scale for a ninja. All I think you need they're to in get uh, WGA West. All you need but, to do uh, is you need to give him some of that uh, the Japanese uh, mayonnaise, like a tub of it a week, and mm-hmm. a Crunchyroll subscription, and you're good. That's nothing. That's not even a thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it's easy. I just freed up seven hundred billion dollars from the U.S. budget annually. Uh, it says um, uh, the, the the projectile rounds were ineffective. Uh, but when de- de- when deputies used a taser on him, he dropped the sword, and deputies were able to take him into custody. He was identified as Gino Rivera, thirty five. He's Steven Seagal's character from Alfred Justice. <laughs> Gino Felino, G- well, the deadliest thought- ninja of all time. Gino, I you know everyone thought Italian. They thought a a guy who's in the ninjutsu branch of the mafia, obviously, like Seagal. But this appears to be a Chicano, maybe. I don't really know, but maybe. 
It says here, Rivera was arrested for attempted homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, brandishing a weapon with the intent to resist or prevent arrest, along with vandalism and obstructing or delaying a peace officer in the performance of their duties, the sheriff's office said. Both the sergeant and the captain required stitches for their wounds, but were cleared to return to duty, the report says. The 160th SOAR's missions include helicopters to insert Navy SEALs and, and other special operators. It trains for night missions, and some of its operations take place under cover of dark or very early in the morning. The soldiers at Inyokern in in were attached to the regiment's 2nd Battalion, which uses Chinook and Black Hawk assault helicopters, as well as Gray Eagle drones. The battalion is based at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So, they uh, should not, on this they episode of Deadliest Warrior, the entire Ar Army SOAR Special Operations Helicopter Brigade versus one guy with a ninja sword, one guy with a ninja sword, the clear victor. Well, well, but the only thing that can be defeated at Katana is a taser. So and, the real winner, the real deadliest warrior is the diabetic sheriff. deputy sheriff. But only with a taser. I mean, that's kind of the first thing you learn in eighth grade biology. The ninja's weakness is electricity. <laughs> they hate it. Because the electricity made it so uh, it's you can illuminate the dark. That's true. That's yeah. their biggest enemy. The age of electricity is what brought the end of the age of the ninja. That was it. Yeah. No, that's why New York is kind of the safest city in the world. Yeah. It's always illuminated. Absolutely. Not a lot of ninjas. We, we have yeah. dealt with Paris, dealt When with has Paris ever been attacked by ninjas? <laughs> the city of lights? <laughs> Never. That's them. That's them. It's like saying it's when you announce you've bought a new ICBM. It's like, don't fuck with us. Yeah. There's so many lights. Many cities the world over have through prudent public policy uh, dealt with the ninja problem. But these guys who they're like, oh, the dark's our friend because we, we fly scary helicopters <laughs> when it's dark out. No, not really. Yeah. You've been, you've been dark helicopter guys for maybe 30 years. They only ad these guys adopted the darkness. He was exactly. born into it. You exactly. could even say molded by it. Exactly. These special operations helicopter pilots, yeah, they train to fly helicopters at night using night vision. Um, the ninja also utilizes night vision, um, but they're called his eyes. Exactly. No rules, no safety, no mercy. It's a duel to the death to decide who is the deadliest warrior. So, uh, thank you. That was that was deadliest warrior. Uh, right. Uh, uh, last 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 news item for today. This is come. This is the New York Times. Uh, headline, White Tiger and Cheetah Furs, a mess of Trump gift exchanges, gift exchanges between U.S. and foreign leaders, a highly regulated process devolved into sometimes risable shambles during the Trump administration. Can you believe it? I can't. The Saudi royal family showered Donald J. Trump and his entourage on his first trip abroad as, pre as uh, president with dozens of presents, including three robes made with white tiger and cheetah fur and a dagger with a handle that appeared to be ivory. How did he not show up in public wearing that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pimping, baby. He should have come out to like a fucking rally in an airport hangar in like Tuscaloosa wearing that thing. I mean, this is very good gift giving. <laughs> yeah, this is the bathrobe president. <laughs> uh, little, little that followed went right. 
A White House lawyer determined that possession of the furs and dagger most likely violated the Endangered Species Act, (laughs) (laughs) but the Trump administration held on to them and failed to disclose them as gifts received from a foreign government. Shocking. I mean, like, wow. I mean, I'm sorry. The animal's dead, right? They're not going to bring it back to life by getting rid of a cool fucking dagger and cloak. Yeah, just one of those things. I mean... If you get rid of it, what are they even doing? Are they incinerating it? That's are they giving waste. it to Goodwill? <laughs> <laughs> I get all my daggers from Goodwill. There's some really Put it cool on Etsy. shit in there. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of good vintage stuff on uh, Etsy. I Maybe know, that will become the new thing. Like, because we're going back to 2013, but with additions of things that we learned in these past five years. Um, one of the things, maybe do women wear those big hats and like desert boots and like uh, kind of capes. Maybe they'll add a dagger to that out. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. I, I'm very awesome. much looking forward to the uh, the massive transformation of America's Facebook uh, or America's Instagram uh, moms into Sikhs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, is, this is great, though, because like, OK, Trump, Trump coming from back from Saudi Arabia and like, yes, I mean, they they know about giving lavish gifts. I mean, they're, 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 yeah, they're the best the in the world at that. So I'm imagining uh, Trump's coming back from his first official visit to Saudi Arabia. He walks into the White House Christmas party wearing a full length tiger and cheetah for a coat. And then like the White House counselor ethics is just like, are you stupid or what? And he's like, it's, it's my mother's name. It's my mother's name. Take it back. Today. Today. What did I tell you? <laughs> I, I was like, I, I love that coat. I love this coat. <laughs> that's that's to be a sad job. To be yeah, an ethics dude, lawyer in the like Trump the White House. Uh, Buzzkill in general. That's your job. It's to just tell people they can't keep cool stuff. Yeah, that is that is a rough job. No one likes you. No one at that job yeah. likes you. Uh, so it says here on the last full day of Mr. Trump's presidency, the White House handed them over to the General Services Administration the wrong agency rather than the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which seized the gifts this summer. At that point, there was a surprise. The furs from an oil-rich family worth billions of dollars were fake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, so, yeah, no, I mean they made a very that. correct uh, gamble that the Trumps would not be able to tell the difference. Well, okay, yes. like, I mean, there, there, there's this is one of two possibilities. One is that... <laughs> The Saudis <laughs> literally gave him fake furs. They gave him fake Versace, fucking fake diamonds, like just fucking like just because uh, that's how that's what pricks they are. Yeah. Or, or or like this is all just the U.S. Fish and Wildlife covering up for the fact that Trump's like, I'm not sending back the tiger robe. It's, it's very like <laughs> wonderful. I'm still pressed. Like, oh, we, we have heard it was it was rabbit. It was rabbit, not tiger. <laughs> it was just they painted the stripes on Uh because wildlife inspectors and special agents determined the linings of the robes were dyed to mimic tiger and cheetah patterns and were not comprised of protected species, said Tyler Cherry, a spokesman for the Interior Department, which oversees U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Officials at the Saudi Embassy in Washington declined to comment. The tale of furs is but one example of how gift exchanges between the United States and foreign leaders, a highly regulated process intended to shield administrations from questions of impropriety, devolved into sometimes risable shambles during the trump administration because <laughs> i mean like obviously like 
there were a lot of things uh, that devolved into risable shambles, and not just the Trump administration, but let's be honest, like every America, every of America in general. But on this issue in particular, is one I got to say, like I have a little bit of sympathy for Trump, but I can imagine more than any other aspect of good governance would be for him the one most uh, vulnerable to risable shambles. Because yeah. the idea that like he would be give, given a, a golden goblets and gifts and you know incense and myrrh from kings of foreign countries, and then he's just like, "What? I gotta give them back? I gotta, we gotta, I gotta, wait, I gotta file my tax returns?" Like it's just yeah, like no, like Trump. Trump's a, he's a, he's a, he loves getting presents. He loves Christmas. He loves gifts. That would, also you know how that's deals too. By the way, every one yes. of those is a deal. You're gonna take away the deal Smith's uh, uh, bounty from his deals. You know how he always seemed depressed and, like, out of it in, like, late 2017, early 2018? This is probably what kept him going. Yeah, that he could collect because he didn't, treats. For, yeah, for the most part, he didn't like being president. No. Most of it was not what he signed up for. I mean, I don't think he signed up to win on purpose mm-hmm. anyway. But he was, he was beaten down. He was getting burnt out by all the shit you have to do. It wasn't all hamburger parties and, you know, Elton John and honking the truck's <laughs> horn. It wasn't all that shit. But after a long week, that probably really cheered him up. You just sit, watch the Empire Carpet commercial at full blast and just stroke <laughs> stroke his delightful fur coat. <laughs> maybe maybe get, in a, get, get in a quick round of nine with his ivory golf clubs. <laughs> uh, Those seem like they'd be slippery. <laughs> Uh, Not the best. The State Department's Inspector General is investigating allegations that Mr. Trump's political appointees walked off with gift bags worth thousands of dollars that were meant for foreign leaders at a Group of Seven summit planned for Camp David in 2020, which was canceled because of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, I mean, is that so wrong? I mean, the gift bags are going to go to waste, you know, like well, it, it, it was canceled. The foreign dignitaries weren't there to receive them. Yeah. Why not? Why not just, all bullshit. You know, these are hard. These are hardworking public officials. You know, just let them get a little swag. Let them get a little swag bag with like a Nintendo switch and like, you know, Korean facial moisturizers. You know, like, I mean, I don't know what's in these swag bags, but like usually they got like $10,000 pairs of sunglasses and shit. You deserve swag for, I mean, really any job. You should be able to steal something from you. As a famous philosopher once said, if you make me wait for the pussy and the pussy whack, I'm going to steal something out of your house. (laughs) And that should be true for jobs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Greatest mind of all time, said that. The bags contained dozens of items purchased with government funds, including leather portfolios, pewter trays and marble trinket boxes emblazoned with the presidential seal or the signatures of Mr. Trump and his wife, Melania Trump. Okay, that swag bag kind of sucks. Yeah, it's not that good. I want some fucking Gucci sunglasses. What is this? Oh, oh, a pewter tray. Fuck that shit out. (laughs) No, I would whip that out my window. (laughs) It's like... I would take the musket. uh, I would take the musket that, like, uh, the guy from Senegal gave me and just shoot a hole in my window and whip that shitty tray out. (laughs) It's like Richie April's jacket. They give it to the help in the White House. (laughs) Here, I know you've always wanted a fucking tray. (laughs) I know you've always wanted a marble box with Melania Trump's signature on it. Uh, I, you know what though, I think you could give that to like a pretty rich like older gay guy might buy that because that is pretty camp. Oh, Lou Pearlsman, are you there? Is, is yeah, Lou, Pearlsman oh, Lou Pearlsman's buying that shit. <laughs> Believe that. Uh, the Inspector General 
The inspector general continues to pursue the whereabouts of a $5,800 bottle of Japanese whiskey given to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Mr. Pompeo said he never received it. And a 22-carat gold coin given to another State Department official. $5,800 bottle of whiskey. Now we're talking. Mm-hmm. But, I, mean, I, I but, don't but Trump just probably gave that to Pompeo because he doesn't drink. Yeah, no, yeah, you, no. Wouldn't have, you wouldn't have kept that one. Uh, What's the difference with a $5,800 of whiskey? Yeah, there's no so, way. Can be compared to, no. yeah. Absolutely not. Anything over a hundred dollars of any of any beverage, get out of here. If you are pretending that you know what's going on with whiskey, you're lying. Everyone who told you what's true about whiskey is lying. There's all whiskey probably tastes the same. Oh my god, you're triggering you. a lot of very sexual uh, gentlemen right now with what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. You see that? You see that thing that I that thing I found the other day that was like, don't be the nice guy, be the sexual guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he gave it to mike pompeo he was mike the, pompeo he was the, the sex guy, guy in the administration yeah. he was just like mm, i love a uh, <laughs> nothing better than a warm glass of bourbon and a warm woman <laughs> well, he's probably the most sexual guy in the cabinet going on uh there is also question about whether the former second lady karen pence wrongly took two gold-toned place card holders from the Prime Minister of Singapore without paying for them. (laughs) In addition, the Trump administration never disclosed that Jared Kushner, Mr. Trump's son-in-law and the top White House advisor, received two swords and a dagger from the Saudis, although he paid $47,920 for them, along with three other gifts in February after he left office. Okay, see, that's wrong just because I think he's going to hurt himself. (laughs) No, yeah, That's just an accident waiting to happen. Reminds me of when my mom took my special forces knife <laughs> when I was 13. That's the tragedy uh, of Jared is that no one in his life loves him enough to save his life and get that yeah, away Absolutely from not. Yeah. He's going to get hurt. It's yeah. Like tragic. fucking he's going to be practicing moves in the bedroom and Ivanka is going to come up behind him with an air horn. <laughs> It was Chris Christie, actually, who went into his room and took back the the, the scimitar he was given. (laughs) Too dangerous for you, Jared. To be sure, Mr. Trump's handling of foreign gifts is not at the top of his critics' list of administration offenses, and there is no evidence that he or Mrs. Trump took any gifts to which they were not entitled. Uh, But ethics experts said the problem reflected larger issues with the Trump presidency. Uh, Just skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, It says 82 gifts from the Saudis. The nation's founders were so concerned that European nobility could co-opt U.S. officials with lavish gifts that they included in the Constitution a clause making it illegal for an official to take anything of worth from a foreigner. In 1966, Congress passed a law detailing how a U.S. official could keep a gift of only relatively minimal value, now capped at $415. Oof. That's 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 for oh god for four hundred fifteen dollar gifts. I mean that's that sucks. I mean how how do we expect how do we expect our government officials not to be bribed if they're not getting high quality gifts? They're going to turn to the private sector to give them fucking really cool shit. Let them take it from foreign countries. I don't know. It seems like kind of a hassle. Just give me a four hundred dollar Amazon gift card. <laughs> yeah, you can decide what you want to spend. Okay. Uh, I think it would be cool if um did uh envelopes of cash it's uh, tangible it's fun the president should feel like it's his bar mitzvah yeah absolutely the envelope yeah. with the hole in the middle so you can see the the president smiling at you yeah he's our pre- he the, he the, the, he or her or you know should be our nation's special guy 
Yeah. And they should feel Absolutely. like that all the time. Every day should be bar mitzvah day. 100%. And, you know, like, and because you're the president, you can pay little Uzi Vert to play your bar mitzvah every day. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. Uh, it says here, the Trump administration's gift problems date from the president's trip in May 2017 to Saudi Arabia, whose leaders were jubilant. I mean, this was the orb. This is the orb incident. Did he? Oh, yes. The orb? We all love the orb. The Folks, orb? Where's the remember orb? the orb? Oh, actually, uh, it says here uh, the orb was, uh, the, according to the uh, inspector general, the orb was later transferred to an airport airplane hangar at Indio Kern Air Force Base in California. <laughs> it's now uh, in a crate next to the Ark of the Covenant. It's being examined that, by you, top men. Do you think that maybe uh, four years ago, a local man who was training in ninjutsu stumbled into a warehouse <laughs> and accidentally careened into an object of amazing power? Uh, the State Department disclosed a list of 82 gifts from the Saudis to the Trump administration in, uh, from administration officials on the May 2017 trip in response to a Freedom of Information Act request filed shortly after Mr. Trump returned home. The gifts, the gifts range from ordinary ones like sandals and scarves to expensive ones like furs and daggers. Nine of the most expensive presents, the three furs, three swords, and three daggers, were sent to the White House Gifts Unit to be assessed and appraised but never appeared on any of the Trump State Department's legally required annual filings for foreign gifts, according to a review of government documents. It was not until January 19th, 2021, that the White House sent the nine gifts to the General Services Administration, according to a statement from the agency. Well, okay, here's what happened. The whole January 6th insurrection, the whole stop the steal plot, this is all an effort by Trump to just be like, I don't want to give the furs and daggers back. <laughs> like, if it's just if I get out of office, I'm gonna have to fucking report the daggers and gifts, and I want to keep them. I want that sword. It's so fucking cool. Uh, okay, go, going ahead here. It says, uh, next next little subhead here: uh, disappearing gift bags. As Trump political appointees in the State Department Protocol Office packed up their belongings in January, career officers saw their departing colleagues leave with the gift bags meant for foreign leaders at the G7 summit the previous year, the Inspector General has learned. The bags had been in storage in a large room at the State Department known as The Vault. Matt, this is, this is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Called it, yeah. This, this, this is where they keep all that shit. Um, once the Biden administration took over, career officials began to examine the accounting of foreign gifts without Trump administration officials looking over their shoulders. At that point, career officials discovered that many of the gift bags were missing, as were more than a dozen additional presidents given to Trump officials. The number was unusual. Government documents from the Obama and George W. Bush administrations show no unaccounted gifts to the White House to the, to the White House officials, cabinet members, or members of the first families. In the months that follows, the Times located many of the, diffs, the gifts, including a bottle of perfume and a Persian silk carpet that the Qataris had given to Steve Mnuchin, the former Treasury Secretary. <laughs> uh, Louise Linton is lounging nude on that silk carpet right now. <laughs> Louise Linton working on another movie. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah, oh new one God, dropping. Yes. Do we yeah. know? Do we have? A, is our plot synopsis out? Do we have any um, idea what the, the here's project the is? Is it, is it the about a, a a beautiful, rich sociopath slash nymphomaniac? Maybe doing something cool. Louis Litton, Pearson Fode. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably Fode or some okay, French yeah. bullshit, but it's spelled F O D E. So he's he's <laughs> Pearson Fode to me, <laughs> and William Baldwin to star in oh. murder. Yeah. The stars are all here. Fode Baldwin. and Baldwin. Hello. 
<laughs> you usually don't get a Fode and a Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hard. Uh, to star in Murder Mystery Out of Hand. Sounds like the exact same plot. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. I guess this is what. Well, you there, don't there was know. no mystery. There they was no yeah, mystery. There was no mystery. Oh, okay. In the other one. Maybe that'll. Okay. Be okay. Hold on. I got it. I got it. Out of hand is about a woman in the center of a thriller about passion, manipulation, and deceit, and it is described as being in the vein of Basic Instinct meets Cape Fear. Ooh. Oh my God! The- yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 The film tells the story of a professor of literature and psychology. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop you there. Yes. I'll stop you right there. Like, yes. oh, it's already. <laughs> At Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Valerie Cross, played by Louise Linton, and her oppressive lover, David Pearson Fode. Become <laughs> so. <laughs> who become suspects in the vicious murder of one of her female students. Uh-oh. This sounds tight. They probably I were mean, doing three-way shit with him. With her. I mean, look, Matt, what have you and I been saying for like a year now? We need a return of the erotic thriller. <laughs> yep. And, and it's coming and back. It's co- Louise Linton, the ball is in your court. Yes. We'll be seeing that on day one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, man. You know COVID's over when Pearson Fode's back in theaters. <laughs> Pearson Fode uh, is an American actor, internet personality, and model known for his roles as Brooks on Disney Channel's Jesse and uh, Eli the- in the 2015 romantic comedy film Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List. Ooh. He was on The is Bold and like- Beautiful also. Is he known? Is he like a TikTok guy? What do they mean, uh, internet personality? Uh, he revealed on Instagram... That he suffered brain trauma and blackouts. I guess that's. I guess that's the internet personality admitting uh, your medical history on Instagram. Okay, reveal yourselves. Which one of you gave Pearson Fode to Havana syndrome? He's going to the CIA and State Department. I don't give a shit. But Pearson Fode, fuck you. He has made a full recovery and is actively engaged in trying to help others with serious trauma and those who want to help. Thank God. Pearson enjoys riding his motorcycle, skydiving, parkour, (laughs) and actively volunteering with charities such as Saving Innocence, Heifer International, and St. Jude's in Los Angeles. Heifer International? I don't know. Heifer International. That's Louise I, Linton's fashion company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rare. <laughs> okay, Mr. Pearlsman. No, I know what Heifer International is. I recognize it from somewhere. It it distributes animal and agricultural and values-based training yeah. in the developing world. Yeah, this is the actual This is like this, this is Heifer International yeah. is a global nonprofit working to eradicate poverty and hunger through sustainable values-based holistic community development. Uh, I know Christian bullshit charity when I hear them. I love holistic. <laughs> if your community, community development is not holistic, get the fuck out of here. And I swear to God, if it's not values-based. Yeah, that is, that's like Christian intersectionalism, what they just said. Pearson Fode, Pearson Fode kind of looks like, hmm. He's like if you had a really good graphics card rendering Taylor Lautner. <laughs> it's like a good good look. He definitely got micro lipo in his abs. Like you just there's paparazzi shots of him where he has an eight pack, and it's like he, he either prepared for that and dehydrated or he's he sculpted them through surgical means, which is fine. I'm gonna Whatever say right now spoiler alert. 
no matter what the plot happens with the plot of this movie and whoever the real killer is revealed to be, the real killer is Louise Linton. Don't believe her lies. Yes. Ooh. Pearson Fode had a feature in Xbox magazine in July of this year, and the article is called uh, Pearson Fode Breaks the Rules. No, don't do that. Yeah, no, Pearson, no. <laughs> you got to follow the rules. That's what this article I'm reading is about. Yeah. Yeah. Pearson Fode, if Louise Linton you... gives you a 22 carat golden bowl, you got to file it. You got to claim. You got to, you know, you got to file it. You got to <laughs> report it. Can we just call this episode Pearson Fode? Yeah. <laughs> Fode and friends. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to be saying for the next year. <laughs> just to, uh, to wrap up this article here, it says uh, uh, one mystery has been solved. When the Times reached out to Mrs. Pence, a lawyer for the family said that she had taken the gold-toned place card holders after a White House ethics lawyer told her she could keep them because they had been appraised at less than the minimal threshold, which was $390 at the time. But according to the information provided to the State Department by the White House, Mrs. Pence should have paid for the place card holders. Under federal guidelines, if a U.S. official is given multiple gifts in a meeting with a foreign official, the American must pay for them if the total exceeds the minimal threshold. The State Department said the Trump White House reported that Mrs. Pence had received the card holders along with a framed print and a clutch purse, which totaled twelve hundred dollars. Mr. Uh, Richard Cullen, the lawyer for the Pence family, said the State Department was wrong. The gifts had been given at different meetings, and Mrs. Pence had declined to keep a print, the print, and the clutch. In response to Mr. Cullen's explanation, a State Department spokesman said that it stood by the characterization of Mrs. Pence's gifts. Okay. There we go. I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, beware of Saudis bearing gifts, because they're probably fake. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, if I ever, if I'm ever lavish with gifts by the Saudis, you know what I want. There's only one thing Falcon. I want from the Saudis: Falcons. Absolutely, yeah, no. Falcons. I just love that this shit is. These things are still on the books. Oh, it can't be four hundred dollars. What the? I mean, okay, Ugh. we're just so locked okay, into like, like, yeah, these you, primitive fucking structures. I mean, yes, in like 1798, you might have to worry that like a. A senator might trade uh, Tennessee for like a, a very large barrel of rum or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> because no, but, but it's now, like, like all of the corruption is just done right out in the open. Like the, yeah, the entire yeah. global like, capitalist <sighs> system operates uh, without any shame or in any kind of mystery. It's all right out there in the open. Just let them give each other like gold pens and katanas. To ritually yeah, no. signify all of the evil that they're doing. Yeah, if, yeah, it's like, oh, if you're in the, if you're, if you're a white, if you're, if you're the president or secretary of state, the inspector general is going to be crawling up your ass because of a four hundred ninety-one dollar paperweight that some fucking, <laughs> some, that some like the Azerbaijan gave you or whatever. But as soon as you're out of office, you can just start giving uh, a thirty-minute lectures on leadership to Goldman Sachs for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a pop, and they're like, yeah, that's all above board. Uh, you know no what? Corruption let's, there. Let's let's even it out one way or the other either let them just do uh get rid of all the restrictions on the gifts or make it so that after they leave office they can still get bribed by goldman sachs and foreign governments to become lobbyists and stuff but they have to be paid exclusively in jewelry and uh and bejeweled items <laughs> and, and and finery like like literal barter uh bribery yeah, just beaver pelts, yeah. gunpowder, things of that nature. Yeah, 
Yeah, you should you should be able if you're a senator, you should figure it out, figure out how to get your son into tops using molasses. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I mean, I think the, the highlight of this episode is just like uh, me being made aware of the next Louise Linton joint dropping. I'm, 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 I'm and the existence of Pearson Fode right now. At the very thought of this. Damn, I really am rooting for Pearson Fode. I want to see that name on billboards. Pearson Fode Egon in the next 10 years. Believe it, achieve yeah. it. I want to see like Obama. You know, Obama made those fucking annoying speeches where he's like, you're not Lil Wayne, you know, go to school. <laughs> and he makes a speech where he's like, you know, chances are you're not Pearson Fode. <laughs> <laughs> Study hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's how big I want him to be. Yeah, this is this is the hot new uh, slang. Somebody gets too big for the britches. They're like, oh, hold on a minute, Pearson Fode. <laughs> Just like to, uh, some, da- some, da- some dad telling his kid, it's like, you got to have realistic life goals. Not everyone gets to do events for Heifer International. <laughs> This is a really tense sort of upper middle class dinner party. Everyone leaves exchanging pleasantries. And then it's just the husband and the wife and the wife storms out of the dining room and into the kitchen. And the husband goes, Jamela, wait. And he follows her in there and she goes, what was that out there? I swear to God, you think you're Pearson Fode. Somebody reaches too fast for the check at a dinner. Whoa, whoa, whoa I got Pearson Fode over here. <laughs> oh, he rocks. He rocks. Oh, nothing but good things for him. Yeah, prayers up for Pearson Fode. <laughs> How did he traumatize his brain? Is it like through parkour? <laughs> I'm going to guess that the parkour had something <laughs> yeah. to do with it, but he still loves it, which is shows that is, his that, that is awesome cool. that in 2021, someone is like interests parkour. <laughs> For like for a hot guy to be that way, I mean, I guess that's who really is keeping it going because no one's telling them it's lame. Oh, speaking of like going back to the fucking Obama era, fucking parkour for Christ's sake! Oh, Pierce is going to bring it back. That's Pierce is going to bring it back. He is. Go- we are collectively doing a social, society-wide, and 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 largely unconscious uh, occult ritual to make it 2014 again. And Pearson no, Fode's going to lead no, the way. 2014, 2014 is when we entered the modern time. We got to go to 2013. Yeah. At the latest. Yeah. 2007 would be good. Yeah. How about right I before would like the that. collapse. I would really like that. Yeah. That would through, be cool. And we can do it, guys. And Pearson Fode will lead the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Through, through, I will follow that man into hell. Through occult magic rituals centered on Pearson Fode, we will collectively like reverse the flow of time. Say Pearson Fode in the mirror three times in a dark room. He'll appear behind you and tell you that you need to take a day for yourself sometimes. Okay, this is politics now, people. Forget everything else. No, this yeah. is it. This is praxis. This is it. No. Uphold Pearson Fode thought. <laughs> Even this is Amer- the American Ho Chi Minh. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that does it for today's episode. Yeah. Let's put a put a bow on this one. Yeah. Pearson Fode. Let's put a Fode on this. Put one. a Fode. On this. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 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 
Despacito. First one getting tinted, you're most distracted. Then I'm a down, so it's all these white kids. Got my dad's and sits in classics, but my soul is cracking when the name just adds Lil. See my life is easy, see my life is simple. Pit back in my seat, I'm 